We live in a world that doesn't always understand grief, but we do. We see you, we hear you, and we're here to talk about grief in the most real of ways, because we have lived with it too. In this podcast, we'll look at ways to integrate grief into a life that is fulfilling and meaningful for you. There'll be no platitudes or silver linings, but there may be the occasional F-bomb. I'm coach John Polo, and my person died. I'm coach Carolyn Gower, and my person died too. Welcome everybody to episode 10 of the podcast. This week's episode is entitled Those Griefy Days. Now, before we begin today, I should tell you guys that both Carolyn and I are battling little bugs. Thankfully, neither one is COVID, but I have a runny nose. I'm a little bit congested, all that kind of fun stuff. And Carolyn has been graced with a stomach bug. So please give us some grace today if, you know, we're a little bit off our game. (laughs) Yeah, John, sounds like we've both had a great weekend, doesn't it? Great weekend. (laughs) And funnily enough, um, yeah, this relates to some of the things that we're chatting about in today's episode. So, John, we've had a few people contact us about doing an episode on how to get through anniversaries, birthdays, and those other significant days after your person dies. So that's a topic we're going to chat about today. And look, I must start by saying that this is a very, very personal choice. There is no right or wrong. All we are doing today is sharing some things that have been helpful to us and some of our clients and maybe opening the door for you to come up with some things that might feel right for you. I agree 100%. These are very personal choice and there truly is no right or wrong. Now, John, you've just had the six-year anniversary of Michelle's passing in January And it's coming up to five years since Tony died in about 10 days as we record this episode today. So between us, we have been through quite a few of those griefy days. We have. We've been through way too many of those griefy days. So today we're going to talk more about those days. But just before we do, I want to bring up the time in the lead up to these significant days. And look, it could be a few days. It could be a week. It could be when the month begins, and it can even be a number of simultaneous months that each have certain memories or dates in them in the lead up. This is sometimes referred to as your season of grief. And quite often, people will say that the lead up to the day can be worse than the actual day itself. But the thing that I never knew was a thing until I experienced it was that your body remembers It remembers the trauma you experienced at that time. And it can show up physically in different ways in your body around those special days. So the most common thing for me is to feel really tired and run down. And I'll often pick up a cold or a stomach bug. Oh, (laughs) ding, ding, ding. (laughs) Hello, hello. Yeah. Now, guys, please don't be scared off by this because it doesn't happen to everyone and it doesn't happen on every one of those days. But I just wanted to make you aware of it so that you do know if it does happen to you, you can be prepared for it. Yeah, you know, Carolyn, when you talk about the season of grief, that really hit me. 
I would probably say that my season of grief was November through the end of January. Now, Michelle was sick for two and a half years. So there are many days that, you know, are difficult, many bad memories. But November 11th is her birthday. November 18th is the day that her family threw her a surprise 30th birthday party. And she always wanted a surprise 30th birthday party. And I remember that day so vividly because she actually felt good that day, which was shocking. And then right after that surprise 30th birthday party, that's when she was already very, very sick, but she really started to go downhill. And those are the memories of the hospital and hospice, her passing, the services, the funeral, and all that. So it's not just one day. It's the never ending day after day after day for nearly three months. That right there is my season of grief. And that right there is kind of what you were talking about. Exactly, John. So for me, I guess my season of grief begins around Christmas. Then it's our wedding anniversary four days after that, then New Year's. And there's several dates that remain ingrained forever in my mind from when Tony's health really took a downhill turn in January until he died in March. Plus there's, you know, Valentine's Day and my birthday in February, our wedding vow renewal just before he died and his funeral on April the 3rd. So there certainly can be those reminders day after day after day, as you said, John. Right. And that's what a lot of people don't understand. It's not just the day that Michelle died. It's the months leading up to it. It's, you know, Christmas Eve, the memory of having to take her to, you know, the doctor so she could get fluid IV. It's the day after Christmas, the last day she was ever home. It's New Year's Eve without her. There are so many griefy days. Now, I do just want to say, I think I touched base on this a few minutes ago, but I do want to just say that any day can be a griefy day. It doesn't have to be, a, you know, their birthday or an anniversary. It could be a random Tuesday. It could be a random Friday night. Grief, as predictable as it is, it is at least equally unpredictable. Any moment can bring with it intense grief or a horrible day. While we're looking at giving you guys support with this episode, suggestions and ideas for the anniversary, for their birthday, for the day that they passed. That's what we're looking to focus on on this episode. We want you to be clear-minded that any day can be a good day and any day can be a bad day. The more you try to predict your grief, if I'm being honest, the more likely you are to be wrong. Carolyn, I think you'll agree with me here a lot of people think it's just year one, right? So as long as you get through the anniversaries on year one, right, then you're good. You are good in future years, but that's not true. <laughs> Absolutely, John, if only it was. And look, we have discussed before on this podcast, we do live in a fairly grief illiterate world. So while others might acknowledge how hard all of the firsts are during that first year, they really don't understand the impact that these dates will continue to have on us year after year after year because they really can't comprehend that grief is a forever thing. 
And again, we talked about this in a previous episode. You might have support the first year. You might have people around you during that first year on these anniversaries or on their birthday. I'm going to stress the word might, right? Because maybe you don't. But it may not be there in future years. And I'm also going to stress the word may because it may be there in future years. It's not true that everybody loses that support. I will say, though, that my goodness, does it always change? Like it always changes. Grief is constantly changing, evolving, and looking different. One of the things about the lead up to the season of grief is that you can never actually project how you're going to feel on that day. You can think that it's going to be a horrible, horrible day for you. And you just might turn out to be okay that day. Or you can think that you're going to turn out to be just fine. You're going to be good to go, right? (laughs) And maybe you're not. Maybe it's an incredibly difficult day. So we can prepare, as we're going to talk about in a second. We can prepare for those days. But again, you can never actually know how you're going to feel when that day comes. And I want that to be really clear to everybody. Otherwise, what happens is we get in the habit of judging ourselves for how we feel on that day. So, so true, John. Look, there's definitely been times when the lead up to a certain day has been hard. And I mean, really, really hard. And that gives me the expectation that the day itself will be just horrible only to have it turn out to be a lot gentler on me than I could have imagined. Then there's days when the lead up hasn't been quite so bad, but things have really hit me on the actual day. And that gets back to what you said before, John, that grief is ever-changing and unpredictable. You just never know what to expect. You know, with all that said, the truth is, as we've said, you can prepare though. You can do your best to prepare. So tell us, Carolyn, about a little bit about how you prepare yourself when those difficult days are coming up on the horizon. So the first thing I usually take a look at in the lead up to those days is my self-care. As I said, I quite often feel tired and run down or pick up a bug during that time. So I'll make a more conscious effort with things like sleep, exercise and healthy eating. I'll meditate to relieve any stress or anxiety around it. And I'll give myself some grace by not putting a lot of pressure or expectations on myself around this time. And on a side note, um, regarding my stomach bug at the moment, I caught it from my grandkids. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I mean, that, look, I'm so glad that you said that because before we went live today, we were talking about how we've both been sick all weekend because we didn't know that about each other. And I kind of wanted you to mention that. Like, yeah, you could take care of yourself. You can do all these things, but sometimes you're just going to get sick, right? So if somebody's listening to this and, you know, got sick with a bug a few days before an anniversary, it doesn't necessarily mean they weren't adequately taking care of themselves, right? Especially in a COVID world, we know how easy it is now to pick things up. I can say that I do things very much the same way. I do want to acknowledge that you and I, Carolyn, are years out, right? We're years out from our losses. And I think what you said there at the end is equally as important. When you said, 
I'll give myself some grace by not putting a lot of pressure or expectations on myself around that time. You know, somebody who is approaching the first year out or somebody who's approaching the third year anniversary, but they still feel like their life is in complete shambles. They may not have the energy for all of that. They may not have the energy for that self-care routine as much as we want them to do it, and they may want to do it. The mental energy for it, the emotional energy for it, the physical energy for it. So you and I being five and six years out, we should still be giving ourselves grace, but those people who are early out need to give themselves even more grace. That's right, John. So I guess one way to put it is that we've had a bit of practice with those days. So we do know what generally works for us and we're able to do that. In fact, that's something I just love to work on with my clients is getting to know your own grief. But look, just to be a bit clearer on what I was saying about self-care, that can look different for everyone. So for instance, when I mentioned exercise, it doesn't have to be a big strenuous workout. A small amount of movement can still be beneficial. So a five-minute walk or a stretch, a little bit of yoga can do wonders. Eating slightly healthier or creating a slightly better sleep routine does help. And a five-minute meditation on YouTube can really ease any anxiety. As with anything to do with grief, make adjustments to suit you. And it can be different on different days. There's absolutely no rules on this. I absolutely agree with that, especially all of it, but especially the adjustments part, right? Because as we said, grief is constantly changing and evolving, right? I mean, my grief looks far different now than it did a year out, two years out, three years out. And therefore, the way I take care of myself, the way I process that grief, and what I do on these griefy days, what do I do on her birthday? What do I do on the anniversary? That has also changed because my grief has changed. Now, getting onto the day itself, as I mentioned before, it is a very personal decision on how you spend it. So please do what feels right for you and don't let anyone else force you into doing what they think you should do. So some of you will want to acknowledge the day and have it all planned out. Some of you might want to completely ignore it. There simply is no right or wrong. It's only for you to decide. That's completely right. And by the way, I think we're doing okay today, given the fact that I my nose won't stop running and you got a little stomach bug. We're doing okay so far. Pat on the back, Carolyn. So <laughs> <Go> us. Look, <laughs> as you've said, you know, we've done this five, six times now, right? So we kind of know what works for us, even though we have to adjust because everything changes. We still have that baseline of knowing kind of what works for us a bit, right? Someone who's just approaching a year doesn't know what works for them at all, <laughs> at all. All you can do is use your best judgment on what you think is going to work for you and see what works for you and what doesn't work for you. And then try to use that baseline of information as you walk into the future years. I will say for me personally, whether it was an extra griefy day, 
a holiday, an anniversary, a birthday, or just a random Tuesday, whatever it is, throughout the last six years, every single time I have woken up and felt that deep, deep, deep despair, sometimes so deep, I just didn't want to go on anymore. Every time I have woken up like that, I have found the best thing I can do. This is my truth. The best thing I can do is get up, go get some coffee, breathe in some fresh air, shower, and start my day. It doesn't mean I'm going to have a great day, but that has been the recipe for me to have a better day. Whereas if I stay in bed all day, it's going to be a worse day. Again, that's my truth. It doesn't need to, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be your truth. Yeah, it really can be a bit of trial and error working out what feels right for you. And I remember during that first year, look, I thought that bigger had to mean better, right? I felt like I had to do so many big grand things on those days to honour Tony and to show, I guess, almost prove my love for him. And I couldn't really understand why others didn't seem so keen to participate in it. It made me feel like I was the only one remembering him and it kind of pissed me off at first. But now I know that we don't have to do big grandiose things to remember our person or to show our love for them because we do that in our own way every day. And, you know, everyone grieves differently. So what might feel normal for me can feel completely weird for someone else. Right. You know, early on, I did big things too. We did grand things for Michelle's birthday. We did grand things for the day she passed. We don't do big things anymore for her birthday. We don't do big things anymore for the day she passed. It's more of a quiet remembrance at this point. I do things that make me remember her, that make me feel close to her. It doesn't have to be big and grand every time or be big and grand anytime. It's about your personal relationship with your person and what you want to do on that day to try to get through it the best way that you can. I'm going to sniffle here and I'm not going to mute myself. Okay. They just got a John Polo sniffle right in their ear. I don't think I even posted on my personal page about Michelle's birthday or her passing this year. I did post about them on my coaching page, but I don't think I posted about them on my personal page. That doesn't mean I don't love her anymore or that I love her less. I love her now just as much as I have ever loved her, but I just didn't want to do it. Maybe next year I will, but this year I just didn't want to do it. I mean, if I'm being honest, I just didn't want to deal with the notifications or the comments sending me love. As much as I appreciate those things, I don't know why, but I just didn't want to deal with it that day. So, you know, year one, we did grand things. Year six, it was more about feeling close to my wife's memory in private than it was sharing it with the rest of the world. Yeah, I totally, totally get that, John. And I've now created my own little rituals, depending what the day is, because that's what works for me. 
So I find for me the anniversary of Tony's death is the hardest of them all. And I think it's because that day has the ability to transport me back to that horrible day and all of those feelings in an instant. So I'll usually take that day off work and I won't make any plans for the morning. So if I need to stay in bed a bit longer, I do. This is when I also allow the space for my grief by acknowledge any memories and feelings that come up and just letting all of those emotions out. Now, look, it's bloody messy and it's horrible and it's uncomfortable, but it does feel so much better afterwards. But I do always, always have a plan for the afternoon so that I have a reason to get out of bed. I'll plan something to honour Tony in a special way that's meaningful to me. And quite often this could look like having a picnic lunch and a beer at the cemetery while listening to our favourite music. Or it could be cooking a meal that he loved or having his favourite takeaway. I'll laugh at some of, some of our funny memories and I'll remind myself how proud he would be of me now because I know that he would. Sometimes I'll watch one of his favourite movies or make a donation to the Prostate Cancer Foundation on that day. And I'll usually visit his parents as well. I also like to commemorate our wedding anniversary because that was one of the happiest days in both of our lives. Because it's in the Christmas holiday period, I'll usually go away for a couple of days to our favourite place, which is a winery region here in Australia. It's not too long of a drive from where I live and it's just so peaceful and relaxing. So it's just nice to chill out and enjoy the wine and the food at some of the places we love to go. It brings me so much peace and comfort and I feel really, really close to Tony there. And look, it's not something that I will do forever, but for now, it feels right. So tell me, John, do you have any special rituals that you'd like to share with our listeners? Well, again, they've changed a lot. So, you know, again, I'll have that baseline of knowing what works for me. But through that baseline, things have changed dramatically. So early on, every anniversary of the day that Michelle passed, I would go and take donuts to the team at hospice that took care of her. Or, you know, on her birthdays, I would go and, you know, take some kind of, you know, cookies or whatever to her medical team at the hospital, her oncologist, her nurse, all of that. I don't do those things anymore. Not that I don't still want to. I just don't do them anymore. Early on, I would plan a big dinner with family. I haven't done that in a couple of years. I do still try to get back on the day that she passed, but in different ways. I do still have dinner with other humans on, you know, maybe the day she passed or her birthday, but it's not a huge dinner. It's maybe one or two people. For me now, I can say that when I travel alone, when I travel alone, I feel closest to Michelle. That is the time when I feel closest to her. So on those griefy days, you know, an anniversary, a birthday, as those griefy days approach, I might go ahead and take a little trip for myself. 
Because I know for me now, six years out, that's going to make me feel closest to Michelle and help me get through those days the best. Yeah, I really love that, John. It's such a special way to remember Michelle. Thank you. I mean, I found that a lot. That's true for a lot of my clients as well. They find that traveling, especially like traveling, traveling alone or just with one friend is a very peaceful thing. And they oftentimes feel closer to their late loved one when they're doing it. Let's transition a little bit here now and give our listeners some clear tips for those griefy days. Yes. So everyone be realistic. As we said, you don't know how you will feel on the day. So try not to overplan. Because if you do, there's a chance that you may feel disappointed or even guilty if you're not up to doing everything. I absolutely love that one. That's really a way to set yourself up for success. When these days are approaching, don't put too much pressure on yourself. If you want to do something, do something. If you don't want to do anything, don't do anything. Next tip. Something meaningful is better than something that's bigger. Now, Carolyn is the one who wrote this one. I'm reading it and I love this tip. It's probably maybe my favorite one, maybe because I didn't think of it. Like, so it's, it's the way it's worded. I've never seen it like this before. It's so impactful to me. Let me say it again. Something meaningful is better than something that's bigger. I must say, John, it is possibly my favorite one. And it's now my motto when preparing for these days, because something meaningful to you is the most important thing, no matter how big or small. And next, try not to feel disappointed if others don't share your passion to do something. Everyone grieves differently, but it doesn't mean that they don't care. Very good point. Next tip. Be open and honest with people about the fact that you don't know how you're going to feel. Making plans with a friend and telling that friend, look, I don't know how I'm going to feel that day. And I want to make these plans, but please be aware I may not actually be up for once the day comes. There's a chance I might have to cancel. That's not only okay to do, but that's a smart approach. Or telling a friend, look, I think I might stay home that day, but there's a chance I might end up contacting you if, you know, 2, 3 p.m. rolls around and I really want some fresh air and company. Allow yourself to be flexible and then communicate that flexibility to the people in your life. If you do choose to do something, try thinking outside the square. So besides food, music, places, and so forth, what was important to your person? For instance, what made them laugh? What's their favorite TV show or movie? Did they have a certain hobby or a funny habit? Did they wear a silly hat? What was their favorite color? I'll sometimes wear Tony's favorite white Oakley sunglasses, the ones that everyone knew him by even though they're so bloody scratched that I can't see a goddamn thing out of them. (laughs) I love that. Next tip. Self-care is key. Remember, guys, you need to take care of yourself the best that you can during this time. 
And when I say that, please know that I understand how difficult that is, especially when you are feeling that deep, deep despair. Part of taking care of yourself, part of self-care is empowering yourself enough to do what you want to do on these days. That being said, I do feel the responsibility to tell you guys what I have seen that has been most effective for my clients. So I've been doing the coaching for four and a half years now. And I have to tell you, every person who I know who has lost somebody, if they force themselves out of bed on those days, they usually end up having a better day than if they remain in bed in solitude. Now, you know, we could expand this, but for the purpose of this commentary, I'm talking specifically about the birthdays, the anniversaries, all of that. I want you guys to empower yourself to do what it is that you want to do. But from a coaching perspective, what I have seen from every person I have worked with and also myself is that having some kind of plan and pushing yourself to do it whether it's a walk on the beach, playing fetch with your dog, <laughs> dinner with a friend, whatever the case is, that is usually, usually, not all the time, but usually the best approach. John, I too find that it definitely does help to have a reason to get out of bed that day. And another thing to keep in mind is whether it would feel helpful for you to take the day off work. As I mentioned before, I'll take the day off on Tony's death anniversary because I know that's the hardest day for me. But once again, it is a personal choice. And it also does depend on the type of work that you do and how many hours you are required to work that day. Because sometimes it may help to have the support of your work friends around you. I love that. That's such a great point. I get that question a lot from my clients. You know, do you think I should take the day off of work. And I will ask them a bunch of questions before I give them my assessment, right? Because every person is different, okay? As we wrap up this episode, let me remind you guys of something you have heard me say on this episode and many times before on this podcast. Grief is constantly changing and evolving. If somebody had told me while Michelle was sick or dying, if somebody had told me 10 months or 14 months or even 28 months after she passed that I would be where I'm at today, I would not have believed them. Her birthday, Christmas, the anniversary of her passing, all of it looks far different and feels far different than it did earlier on. So if you're out there, and you're coming upon a very difficult day, please know that you will make it through, even if it feels like you won't. Even if it feels like you will not be okay, you will not be able to survive this. Carolyn and I have both been there. We understand that feeling, and we can tell you that yes, you can, and yes, you will. Honor your grief, just as you honored your love. Those griefy days will continue to be a part of your life. 
because they are born from the deep love you hold for your person. Some will be harder. Some will be a bit more gentle. Some are expected and some will take you by surprise. But it's your grief, so it's your rules. Allow yourself the space to respect and honour that love in a way that holds meaning for you. Thank you for listening to the My Person Died To podcast. For full information on our books, coaching services and other offerings, visit our websites, carolyngowercoaching.com.au and johnpolocoaching.com. Remember to rate, review and subscribe. And if you found this podcast helpful, please spread the word so that we're able to support more people through grief. Thank you.